Welcome in, Gator fans, to the new Gator Sports Podcast with your hosts, Zach Abelverde and Graham Hall. Presented by the Gainesville Sun and Gatorsports.com. Welcome into another Gator Sports Podcast presented by the Gainesville Sun. I'm your host, Zach Albaverde, joined to my right by Gainesville Sun basketball beat writer Graham Hall, who just covered a huge win for the Gators in Exact Tech Arena over number six, Tennessee. I know the basketball program's still got to be feeling good after that. Absolutely. Missing three starters and you pick up a 26-point victory over the number six team in the country, who also happens to be your SEC East division rival, Tennessee. Yep. What more could you have asked for for Coach Mike White? The biggest victory over a top 10 opponent and his fourth victory over a top 10 opponent, larger than 17 plus points. Yeah. If he's nailed anything, for sure, it's massive upsets over <laughs> top 10 teams. Certainly a lot of other things that Florida fans would want him to work on, but they looked really good that night defensively from a confidence standpoint. Yep. Took some good shots. You have to be happy. Got to see what they can do on Saturday, though, Zach. Yeah, and Graham, obviously everyone's looking forward to that game, looking forward to uh, maybe Scotty Lewis and Colin Castleton making their return to the court. We'll talk a lot of Gator hoops in the final segment of today's show, but we're going to kick things off with John Bryce from Football Scoop to recap all the UF coaching news that's happened with the football program since the season ended, some of the moves that Mullen has made on the you know defensive staff, specifically with the secondary, and we'll recap all the news and developments that happened over the past week with Florida's linebackers coach Christian Robinson. I think, you know, Graham, that's where we can start because after our show last week on Friday, the news came out from Football Scoop that C-Rob was in line to land a job from Michigan, and he was planning to leave for Ann Arbor. That was a move that you know we confirmed, a lot of other uh, media outlets confirmed. And then once that offer formally came through over the weekend, we saw that the Gators, and specifically Dan Mullen, was making an effort to keep C-Rob with a counteroffer and reportedly a raise, according to Football Scoop. And we'll talk to John Bryce about how all that played out and, and being able to, to keep him on staff. But I think now that you see that he is still a Gator and Florida's got one of their ace recruiters remaining in Gainesville, that's, I think, a, a key move for Mullen to make. And he was able to, to beat out Jim Harbaugh from poaching one of his top assistants. Well, everybody is justifiably so, focused on the new coaches that Florida's trying to hire. Maybe the most valuable moves that Mullen has made here in the offseason was to retain his top recruiters, Christian Robinson, now, and first, Brian Johnson, who got a lot of head coach interest from several programs, Boise State among them. So while everyone is looking out there who Florida can bring in to be safeties coach, you have to look at what they did over the weekend in retaining Christian Robinson as just as big of a win, if not a bigger one in my book, Zach. Yeah, no, that's the great point that you bring up with Brian Johnson, because if he would have gotten that head coaching opportunity and Christian Robinson would have left for Michigan that's two of your best recruiters that you would have lost on the offensive and defensive side of the ball so definitely worked out for Mullen that that he was able to keep those guys I mean who knows how long they will be in Gainesville definitely with uh you know Brian Johnson you know at some point he's going to get a head coaching job but for Christian Robinson to remain on the defensive staff, continue to be working with Todd Grantham. That's obviously a pairing that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, from a recruiting aspect, he's going to be able to keep bringing in the top guys like Derek Wingo and Jeremiah Williams and, and Dewan Black. So, but there is still that vacancy that you mentioned. And one guy that was, I think, reported to be one of the top candidates to potentially join Mullen's staff as the safeties coach was Chris Ash, the former defensive coordinator at Texas, who has since joined 
the staff in Jacksonville, where he worked with Urban Meyer at uh, Ohio State. They're now teaming up again with the Jags. And a former Florida assistant that Gator fans know very well, Charlie Strong, is also reportedly heading to Jacksonville. And as we uh, saw from Football Scoop, and we'll talk about with John Graham, those were two guys that potentially could have ended up in Gainesville had Meyer not gotten that job with Jacksonville. Absolutely. And this is an interesting time period in my book because you have the NFL playoffs going on. And when you're a program like Florida, often you're looking at the college ranks where some turnover may be. I mean, by my count, there's been eight NFL head coaches already relieved of their duties. So you're looking at that those staffs and then you have coaches looking elsewhere at jobs that may come open so they're hesitant to maybe commit to a power five program right now so anytime you can go out there and land a top name maybe it's not chris ash obviously uh, but someone of his caliber out there is still out there waiting to be had if, if you're dan mullen and you have to move on and recover rather than just become disgruntled when your first hire's first two options don't work out yeah, and I think the one thing that he can take solace in right now is that he was able to hire Wesley McGriff. And we heard from Keith Niebuhr last week about what he's going to bring to the table from a coaching and recruiting standpoint. And a great nickname. Yeah, absolutely. Coach Crime Dog. And uh, we'll get John Bryce's thoughts on that as well. But he had some pretty interesting comments about ending up with him versus T-Rob. And that was obviously a name that Florida fans would have loved to get back in Gainesville. But I think that they're going to be happy with Crime Dog and what he brings to the table. And the fact that he's on staff now while they figure out who the safeties coach is going to be, that brings some stability to that secondary. And obviously you're already recruiting for the 2022 class. So um, we'll see how it plays out. Obviously we'll continue to follow the news. I don't think Mullen is necessarily rush to make a hire anytime soon, but he's going to try and get the right guy that can work with him, can work with Grantham, and obviously can work with McGriff as well. But we're going to jump to this break. When we come back on the other side, we'll be joined by John Bryce from Football Scoop to discuss all this news that's happened since the football season ended from the coaching front and who the Gators could end up with as their safeties coach. We're now joined by John Bryce from Football Scoop to discuss what's been a busy offseason for the Florida football program in terms of coaching moves, coaching hires, and, and you know the news is still not done as we wait uh, for Dan Mullen to fill out his last DB coach. John, welcome into the Gator Sports Podcast. How's it going, man? It's going really well. I appreciate the uh, opportunity to visit with you guys. No, absolutely, man. We uh, we definitely had to, you know, felt the need to bring you on, as as you know, you know, oh, yeah. the fans and, and media members alike have kind of been following all your reports about, you know, all the moves Damon has made since the season ended, and you know, honestly, John, we can start there, um, you know, because once Florida wrapped up uh, its 2020 year in the Cotton Bowl. You know, Mullen, you know, made some moves kind of right after uh, that happened. But one of the decisions that he made, it, it seemingly, was to retain Todd Grantham. And that was something that fans, I think, in Gator Nation were, were clamoring for. But I felt as well as Graham that that, that was not a move that Mullen seemed like he was ever going to make, um, you know, based on his confidence in Todd. What do you make of that decision first to keep him and how everything, obviously, got, everything kind of trickled after that? Well, I think in the here and now, it's an incredibly important decision uh, because continuity is key, especially when you look around the SEC at some of the residual moves. Obviously, uh, it's a complete dumpster fire on Rocky Top right now, but um, (laughs) Georgia has lost Charlton Warren and has some fluidity with its staff, obviously an entire new staff at South Carolina, ditto for Vanderbilt. So I think anything that Coach Mullen could do, particularly at his top two coordinator positions, 
to maintain stability is a smart play for Florida moving forward. But then also Coach Mullen, as you guys well know, um, addressed some other issues on the defensive side of the ball that I think was also a, a smart move by him. Yeah, and, 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 and deciding to make the decision to part ways with, with Torian Gray and Ron English, two guys that are really accomplished, you know, in their coaching careers and found jobs, you know, as soon as their, their time was done at Florida. But what did you think of that decision, you know, just to kind of revamp that back end and, and, and try to find somebody that could come in and work with Grantham? Well, look, it's never been more of a passing league in the SEC than what it was this past season. Dan Mullen is a huge uh, part of that. He's had one of the biggest impacts on on the throw game in the SEC, I would argue, uh, of any coach since Steve Spurrier. He's really had a profound impact on the throw game in the SEC, even at Mississippi State. So, um, conversely, you've got to have better production from your back end on the defensive side of things in Florida has had tremendous talent overall through the years. Um, it did not produce the way it needed to this year from a secondary standpoint, and you can't afford to be stale. If you can improve while also maintaining overall stability, which is what Florida has positioned itself to do, um, then I think that's a chance for you to upgrade and get better. And Florida was really close in a, in a lot of key games this year, and, and then some things got away from it down the stretch. And I, I think you look at the secondary as a big reason why some of those games uh, ended up with, I, I guess, a three-game losing streak to close the season for Florida after it had won so many big games leading up to that. When you look at how Florida moved to replace one of those hires, initially it looked like they were going to get T-Rob back in the building. Yeah. <laughs> we all saw him following some of the fellow Florida beat writers he ended up at Florida's rival, Miami, but they did move quickly to replace Torian Gray, hiring Wesley McGriff from Auburn. What do you feel about that? How do you feel about that hire, and what does he bring to the Florida coaching staff? You know, I think it's a big-time hire. I think it's a really good hire. He's got even more experience than T-Rob. I've, I've known T-Rob. He and I have some some mutual friends from Miami, so I, I've encountered him when I was covering Tennessee and, and uh, dealt with T-Rob through the years. He's got a big personality. Um, and does some good things. But McGriff is more experienced. I think you've seen um, McGriff's guys play pretty consistently through the years. He's also a um, very, very good recruiter out there and has tons of connections. So I think it's a big move for, for Florida. I think T-Rob would have been a good hire. I honestly believe McGriff is a slightly better hire for the Gators. Yeah, and obviously, anytime you get a guy that, first of all, has a nickname like Crime Dog, and, yes. and second of all, has coached in the NFL, that says something about their pedigree. Yeah, it, it absolutely says, says a lot about their pedigree. I also think it says a lot about uh, what Florida offers. You know, um, there's some coaches that prefer the, the college game, even though it's a more demanding lifestyle than the NFL. But the other thing is, uh, especially at a place like Florida or a number of schools in the SEC, as a position coach, you can make more in the college game than, than what some of those position coaches make in the NFL. So if you if you are okay with that lifestyle, if you're good recruiting, then there are some benefits to the college game. And again, I think uh, McGriff brings a, a lot of good benefits to Florida and to the Florida defense moving forward. Absolutely. We're speaking with John Bryce from Football Scoop. Now, John, as after McGriff was hired, it looked like Dan Mullen was just going to have one opening on his defensive staff. And then late last week, that, that potentially turned into two as, uh, you know, the news of Christian Robinson, uh, you know, in the works of landing a job offer from Michigan and, and planning to leave. That was something you reported. We confirmed as well as multiple others. You know, that offer came through over the weekend once uh, McDonald uh, officially became the defensive quarter. But then, 
you know, Dan Mullen pulled a leak Corso and said, not so fast, my friend, um, you know, trying to keep his linebackers coach and an ace recruiter and, and was able to do that. Um, just talk about how that played out, John, and, and I think what it means for Florida to, to keep Robinson on staff. Well, again, it, it speaks to the continuity of things. I think it also speaks to the fact of the matter that the Florida program as a whole is healthier uh, right now by far than the Michigan program as a whole. And so yeah. uh, from from talking with, with people that had detailed knowledge of that situation, basically what happened was uh, Michigan, from my understanding, did not want to send Christian the formal contract until it could also execute its contract with McDonald. They could not do that until the Ravens were eliminated. By that point in time, um, Coach Mullen had charged back into the picture with Christian, came up with a counteroffer, more money, uh, some better terms. And uh, at that point in time, I think Michigan's sort of methodical, if not plotting nature on securing Christian Robinson gave Florida time to get back into the picture and keep him home. And Christian has primarily been nothing but an SEC guy. He is a um, really, really good recruiter. He's also one of those coaches that uh, when you speak to other staffs, everybody knows who he is. And that, yeah. that's a good thing. You know, typically, uh, if, if everybody knows who you are, it's for one of two reasons. You're either really pretty good or you suck. And with <laughs> Christian, it's because he has everyone's respect. And um, the direct quote from a third party was, that guy's a freaking stud. And so for Florida, again, to be able to maintain him from a recruiting standpoint, but a continuity standpoint, and then also what he does as a coach on the field is a very big move for Florida. Yeah, and I, th I think too, uh, you know, with, with C. Rob, and obviously, you know, Mullen has has you know a few strong recruiters on staff, but he does seem like a guy that's so involved in that. And you saw the picture that Mullen tweeted out when he welcomed his early enrollees to campus. There was one assistant coach in that pick, and it was C. Rob. You know, and I think that that kind of speaks to why he he worked so hard to make sure he didn't leave for Ann Arbor because um, he plays that vital of a role in his recruiting as, as well as his defensive staff. Yeah, and, and he's a young guy, too, and so um, he's not just important for the coaches in that regard, but he's a great conduit for the players on the team because he's lived it, he's been in it, he's still young enough to relate very well to them, and I just think that he's a very, very valuable uh, conduit between the players and, and the rest of the coaching staff, and he's an effective communicator on both sides. Although they did retain Robinson over the weekend, Florida still has one position on their coaching staff left to fill. And we kind of talked with you about this before we got you on here. Maybe Urban Meyer, <laughs> Dan Mullen's former boss, has played a little bit of a negative role here in Florida, filling that position right now. Chris Ash, certainly a candidate that everyone was talking about with possibly taking that last uh, role on Florida's coaching staff. Can you just talk about how he joining Jacksonville and Urban Meyer in general coming to Jacksonville, maybe threw a wrench into Florida's plans. Yeah, with Charlie Strong, too. Yeah, yeah. as well. Charlie Strong, that's another one. Absolutely. How did I forget that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was just last Friday that multiple people were telling us, um, look, Charlie's deciding between us and Jacksonville. That was the word out of Gainesville. And um, there were some people in the building at Florida that were very optimistic that Charlie Strong was going to pick the Gators. But again, um, some of it has to do with lifestyle. Some of it has to do with comfort level. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, that has derailed I think uh, Dan Mullen's goal to wrap up that final position a little bit. Also, um, for Mullen being able to keep C-Rob, Michigan also got a linguist to, to yeah. sign with them this week, and that was another top target for Florida. So it's been interesting. Um, the cycle still has a bunch of guys 
that are kind of waiting to see exactly how all of the NFL jobs continue to shake out. I mean, Tosh Lupoy is a guy who was um, had, had continues to have a number of opportunities to return to the college game. I think he would prefer to stay in the NFL game. He may have a chance uh, on Brandon Staley's staff out west with the Chargers. He's also talked to Oregon and Mario Cristobal. If he does decide to return to the college game, he was in the mix at Texas. So, uh, John, as you look at Florida uh, trying to bring in one more coach to their defensive staff, you know, presumably at the safety spot, how do you anticipate them potentially doing that? Do you think it's going to, you know, maybe be a guy that has either history with with Mullen or Grantham? Could it be somebody that that maybe McGriff has history with, or could they just, you know, totally go out of left field and and get somebody that doesn't really have any ties? Because you know, McGriff didn't have any to their to either of those coaches before he came to Florida. Yeah, I think uh, Corey Sanders from Pitt is a name that we've all heard linked to that job. Um, he interviewed as well a year ago for, for the Notre Dame job. He's a really sharp young guy that, that's considered a high riser in the coaching industry. He was very strongly in play at Florida a couple of weeks ago. It's gone a little bit quiet since then. Uh, Deshae Townsend was another name that I'd heard. He obviously yep. has, has a history with Dan Mullen in that regard. So, um, but again, the way the cycle is moving right now, I've been trying to, to dig on what Florida might do for that final possession. And there are a lot of people, I think, that, that view it as a mystery right now. Yeah, Marquand Manuel, you know, moving yeah. on from Philadelphia. That's another name that Gator fans keep hammering us about. Oh, absolutely. Bring Eminem back. Bring Eminem back. I mean, who knows if he'll want to you know, come to the collegiate level since he's been at the NFL his entire coaching career so far. But if any school got him to do it, it would probably be his alma mater. You would think so. Um, but, John, we really appreciate uh, the time man, and, and your knowledge and perspective on all this. You've done a great job staying on top of everything. And hopefully at some point you'll get a vacation. Oh, yeah. Vacation yeah. soon, please. Hopefully we all get vacations before uh, spring football starts at the uh, FCS level and then spring practice starts for uh, the FBS level. But enjoyed the visit with you guys and uh, would be thrilled to join you again sometime in the future. Absolutely. We appreciate it, John. Absolutely. Take care, guys. Thanks so much. Yeah, for sure, bud. Good Thanks, stuff. John. Great insight. Really appreciate John Bryce for the time there and some good stuff on Absolutely. Florida's program and all the coaching moves that have happened. I think, as we mentioned in the opening, uh, Graham, that he was going to give his thoughts on, on Florida's DB hire and the fact that he feels like that's probably a better move than what would have been getting Robinson back in Gainesville. I think that's something that fans want to hear. I absolutely agree. And there were several aspects we didn't even mention. The recruiting ties to the state of Florida, the fact that a guy who's been on five SEC staffs has been recruiting these 2022, 2023 prospects for several years now, has yeah. a familiarity with the area and some relationships with Taken Back Florida, which we talk about all the time, how vital that is retaining top prospects. When we talked to Keith Niebuhr last week as well, getting Demarcus Bowman back in the fold, that's someone you want to land year in and year out, the top prospect in the state. Having a guy like Wesley McGriff allows you to go in there and have a very solid chance of doing that. Yeah, and absolutely. And before we get into a some hoops talk. Just want to mention, uh, you know, some of the notes this week on Florida's roster. We've been tracking who's coming and who's going. And TJ Slayton has officially signed with an agent and is headed to the F- NFL. If you missed that news, so getting Newkirk and Shelton in both as mid-year enrollees and guys that are going to be able to go through spring practice. That was so huge for Even more valuable. Yeah, because, I mean, I, I wasn't expecting TJ to come back, but just now that's official and you know that he's gone, 
along with Kyrie Campbell. Uh, we're still waiting on some other seniors to announce their plans. But I think that that, at least from a depth standpoint, that defensive tackle spot is in a much better place. And right now, Graham, the Florida basketball program is in a much better place after uh, what's well, been a tough stretch, some tough losses, and obviously some tough moments for this team. Uh, but really, one of the highlights of the Mike White tenure the other night in Exact Tech Arena. I agree, Zach. You know, I kind of joked with you on the way over to the game that I really wasn't expecting that at all. Huge win for the program at and at a really crucial stretch. They lost three of the last four games. Scotty Lewis, a guy who really had stepped up in Keontae Johnson's absence, yeah. missed his third straight game. And then you get Colin Castleton, who has been a revelation. And <laughs> I, I really think you that's the word you have to use. A guy who came from Michigan, uh, DeLand native, averaged, what, four points a game for the Wolverines yeah, last year, crazy. albeit in a loaded front court, so you have to you have to note the context. They were very high on his potential, his work ethic. I mean, he's got a seven foot three wingspan, has been huge for Florida, but tweaks his ankle last Saturday in Florida's three point loss at Mississippi State. Unable to practice on Monday, it's it's too sore for him. Omar Payne finds out right before the game, less than two hours before the game, that he is going to actually get the start after only playing twelve minutes combined the week before in wow. Florida's games against the Mississippi teams. He had a huge game, Zach. Nine points, nine rebounds, five of them on the offensive end, all five offensive rebounds in the first half. And, and another huge performance for him against a top 10 team, which is something else. Going back to how he played against Auburn last year as a freshman when he had that double-double when given the opportunity, this is what they want to see out of Omar Payne on a night-in and night-out basis. That's one of the most difficult things to master mm-hmm. once you get in to the collegiate level is consistency. When you're an underclassman, you, you're used to having big scoring performances, but when you're dealing with the stress of, remember, Florida is a very well-renowned academic program as well. When you're dealing with everything else that comes with being a student athlete, it can be often difficult to maintain that consistency on a night-in and night-out basis, especially during a 27-game schedule where <laughs> you haven't had the proper off-season and ramping up and ramping down. I, I digress. So many factors that have played into Omar Payne's rough sophomore season, but you saw the potential Tuesday night against the Volunteers, and now they got to get that from him more often moving forward. I'm not saying it every single night because not every player goes out there and scores 20 points a night. They just need him to fill a role. And as you saw on Tuesday, blocking shots, being aggressive on the offensive glass, affecting shots at the rim. If they can keep doing that with Omar Payne in there, he's going to command more minutes. And he also played the four, Zach, which allowed them to possibly have him play more minutes moving forward with Colin Castleton if they can get him back on Saturday against the Bulldogs. Yeah, Graham, that would obviously be key as well as Scotty Lewis. But this was key for Mike White to get this win. There's no doubt about it. But he did say after the game, and we know he's usually a pretty honest guy in how he assesses things, he did not expect that from his team. Did not expect them to have that type of performance. What do you think kind of got into those guys? And what can they do to kind of build on that moving forward? Is it obviously show their potential and and maybe what they're made of and, and where they could reach. Before I get into how he feels, just think about it for a second. You're so shorthanded as a coach, and then you get that type of performance from your guys, you're left not really able to relish in the moment because you're wondering where that is yeah. on an every single night because when you have full strength when you get Scotty Lewis back when you get Castleton back if you have letdowns from the rest of your reserves that is just one of the most frustrating things as a head coach so Mike White after the game I don't think was really too high on the moment he really couldn't 
enjoy it because it's not a game that's going to make or break Florida season. It wasn't an elite lead eight finish where Chioza's throwing up a, a beautiful loft mm-hmm. and you can sit there and say, wow, our season's still alive. It was nothing like that. Florida has so much work left to do, but I do have to say one thing. It may have changed Mike White's ceiling of what this team can be because mm-hmm. they were able to try some rotations that we have not seen much this season. Jason Jatobo gave them 13 good minutes, really the most he's played all season, and he did something that we didn't think he was able to do. He was able to help Florida set the press. Mm-hmm. He was in the back, and, and Florida was able to play, get enough pressure and not let Tennessee beat the press that it didn't really hurt them too much. And when he was having to contest shots at the rim, he was doing it without fouling, which is a huge thing because that would make him a liability in there if you're going to give teams and one opportunities all the time once they beat you down the court. If he's able to do that every single night, that's what Mike White is going to feel better about moving forward rather than a 26-point victory over Tennessee because then that may lead to more victories. I would just have to think, too, that, I mean, nobody ever goes into a game with a loser's mentality, right? Oh, no. There's had to be their confidence shot or low or affected in some way, knowing that you're going up against a team like that without your three best players. That's what doesn't make sense. Why would your confidence be so high in this game of any other. I just think they were playing like they had nothing to lose and everybody was counting them out. That's and, how you should play. You know, but but they should always obviously have that approach and some of it has to do with opportunity, right? When some of those guys that got more minutes knew that that was their moment. I mean, they made the most of it. But uh you know, it was just interesting. I, I did not expect that out of them and honestly watching the game Graham, I felt like at some point Tennessee was going to make a run like Florida would just lose it right and allow them to get back into the game and allow them to eventually pull away and there was that moment there in the second half when they got within 11 that you were like okay this might be it and then Florida closes the game on that huge run and their second game in a row where at the end they've been playing incredible Um, I think that's obviously something to build on moving forward. Anthony Drugy only played 17 minutes but he was huge in stifling both of the chances that the Volunteers had at making a run. The first one was at the end of the first half when he hit that three-pointer right before the buzzer to make it a double-digit game. And that just really changes the momentum for you heading into the tunnel. When you hit a buzzer beater and it gives you a double-digit lead, you often worry less. You're you're worried less about, oh, we're going to blow this. So that mental insecurity doesn't creep in as much because you're more comfortable coming out of the locker room tunnel. So he did that as well. And then the other one is what you just mentioned. Florida was only up 55-44. Tennessee went on a 9-0 run after Florida got up by 20 points coming out of the half. And then Tyree Appleby and Anthony DeRuji led this eight-point run in, I think it only took 35 seconds, where Appleby had two poke-away steals, and DeRuji came up with both of them. And then DeRuji hits his second three-pointer of the game, That was huge for Florida. Any chance that you can to demoralize your opponent, stop a run, get back up to a, obviously a 20-point lead is huge, but get back up to build your advantage is huge for a team. And Florida was able to get that in some very critical moments from two guys who they were expecting coming into the season after sitting out and transferring were going to have a big impact. You talk to Mike White, you talk to this coaching staff, who they had coming back. It wasn't a huge freshman that they were really relying on. Mm -hmm changing this program. It was the guys who had to sit out last year in Appleby and DeRuji, and to get them back and add in Castleton has been huge for this team. Yeah, Graham, and obviously when the Gators get back Scotty, they get back Colin, they're going to have even more talent to work with. I'm going to be interested to see, as I'm sure you are, how do they make their personnel maybe work 
and, and potentially make some adjustments moving forward given what they saw against Tennessee. And I, what I mean by that is in terms of both big men that they use at the same time and how they try to obviously make it work with Scotty working back into the lineup. Just how do you see maybe any, anything kind of developing as they move forward? Working Scotty back in is going to be very interesting because you have to, I think, just my opinion here, worry about the mentality of some of the guys who just stepped up. Noah Locke is a guy who, just to recap, as a freshman, gets put in the starting lineup due to Kavon Allen's struggles, is in the starting lineup for the entirety of his UF career while playing through injury. Got to give him a whole lot of credit. Until he lost it four games ago, Tyree Appleby moved into that slot, got it back with Scotty Lewis going down. So do you take Noah Locke out, who has been fairly good for Florida recently, Mm -hmm. especially uh, at attacking the rim, which is something that he struggled in. you got to give Florida trainer Duke Werner some credit for getting Noah Locke back in shape. He had a sports hernia injury at the end of the last season that really was causing him a lot of athletic struggles. He looks a lot better. He was finishing at the rim. He almost had a dunk, and, and Florida's bench jumped on their feet seeing that out of him. The real question, though, I think that Scotty can get worked back in with Noah Locke. But the real question for me is Omar Payne. Yes. Because last Tuesday, excuse me, right before the game, Mike White said that this is a guy who is playing better in practice and we need him to get some confidence back. If confidence is the main thing for Omar Payne, keep giving him extended opportunities until he kind of has a setback on the court. If he keeps stepping up in big moments, you have to play him. And like I said in the first segment, his ability to play the four alongside Jason Jatobo was huge for Florida the other night because that was a rotation that they did not think that they could do. If they can go big with him, play Scotty at the three, play Omar at the four, and get Castleton and his seven-foot-three wingspan back at the five, this is a Florida team that will be hard matchup-wise for every opponent left on their schedule. Yeah, it's just uh, it's something to see how this thing is played out because it definitely could have went sideways <laughs> against the Vols, and, and you know those guys found a way to make it happen. I think they maybe found some answers that they can uh, you know help get some more wins moving forward and improve their turning chances, which I'm sure that Tennessee win is going to look good uh, once that time rolls around. So we'll see how it plays out. Obviously, Graham will have you guys covered at Gatorsports.com with all the games and pressers that are coming up, and We'll try to keep following where things uh, are at with Florida's defensive staff as Mullen looks to make his last hire. And uh, appreciate John Bryce from Football Scoop for joining us on this week's episode to uh, catch us up on everything that's going on on that front. We'll be back with another episode next week. For Graham Hall, I'm Zach Albuquerque.